Hey guys, it's Adam. Just before we get started here, I uh, just want to let you guys in on a little something. Uh, Matt and I had recorded two previous podcasts before the one you're about to listen to. Uh, we recorded two 30-minute episodes uh, on Nebraska and American Hustle. Unfortunately, due to GarageBand kind of uh, exploding or something happened, I don't know. I saved everything properly. Everything looked like it was good. I go back to edit the episodes and uh, do some little fine tweaking on some things. And the episode is, uh, it's it's well, it's practically gone. I have a little tail end, I have a little beginning, and that's about it. So, uh, unfortunately, it looks like those will probably be gone uh, for all time, which is unfortunate because we did put in a crap load of work to do those. Uh that being said, we're probably uh, going to mention maybe some of those things uh, in our review here of Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, we uh, Just so you guys know, for uh, Nebraska, Matt and I both thoroughly enjoy the film, think it's a uh, fantastic piece of work. Uh, you should definitely go out and see it right now. Uh, Alexander Payne's directing is amazing. Bruce Dern is fantastic. Will Forte is uh, is is quite good in a uh, non-comedic role for him. Uh, we really enjoyed it, so please go out and see that. Uh, we were both kind of... Uh, we didn't hate American Hustle, but we sure didn't like it nearly as much as everyone else has. And uh, it's pretty much... Uh, Amy Adams and uh, Christian Bale's movie, everybody else is kind of just kind of meh, and I was kind of down on David O. Russell's directing, but I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that uh, in our 2014 wrap-up, which will be coming up uh, not too much long after this, maybe about another week or so. But uh, just want to let you guys know ahead of time that that's something that we did. We came through, we recorded this episode, and unfortunately... You know, technology happens. I don't think I'm going to be recording on the uh, the new Garage Band anymore. The old one never gave me uh, troubles like this one. So uh, that is uh, that. That's so. If we reference anything, and you go, where are this episode? Where's that at? I didn't hear these. Ep- well, they don't exist anymore, unfortunately. So uh, technology happens. But uh, thank you for downloading this and uh, get ready. The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, this is a longer one, but we than, than our other previous thirty minute episodes. But uh, this one's pretty darn good and. Uh, we, you know, I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. I didn't trust them. Couldn't smile at me first. Just like the wolf before he bites me. And I didn't come there. I swear that it was cursed. Just as if it was true. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast Ever, assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before. Uh, today's film is Wolf of Wall Street, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. It is uh it's it's been a long gestating film uh for mm-hmm. these two. But uh it has gotten uh, it's gotten a lot of people. Uh it's it's a polarizing movie, it seems, in a lot of ways, especially for critics. Uh some people love it. Some people think not so much. And uh, so now you're going to hear a little bit of what we like to think about it. So without any further ado, here is the trailer for The Wolf of Wall Street. Excuse me. Yeah. Is that your car on the lot? Yeah. Is yeah. it Jag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much money you make? I don't know. 72000 last month. You show me a pay stuff for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Hey, listen, I, I quit. Yeah, I'm going into stocks. My name is Jordan Belfort. At the tender age of 22, I headed to the only place that befit my high-minded ambitions. The name of the game. Move the money from your client's pocket into your pocket. 
But if you can make your clients money at the same time, it's advantageous to everyone, correct? No. I started my own firm out of an abandoned auto body shop. We will be targeting the wealthiest 1% of Americans. I love three things. I love my country, I love Jesus Christ, and I love making people rich. Hello? But I needed to mold them in my own image. With this script, I'm gonna teach each and every one of you to be the best. This is the greatest company in the world! I was becoming a legend. Aren't you married? Yeah, but married people can't have friends. We're not gonna be friends. I was making so much money, I didn't know what to do with it. $26,000 for one dinner! Dad, we're not poor anymore. Tell them about the sides. What the are side. these sides? They cure cancer? The sides did cure cancer. That's the problem. They were there. That's why they were expensive. <laughs> $22 million three The real question is this. Was all this legal? Absolutely not. Hang you up from the hill. He's got pictures of your whole inner circle. This is bad. It's okay. Rub my temple. You're all right. This right here is the land of opportunity. You just tried to bribe a federal officer. <laughs> this is America. This is my home. Good for you, little man. Come here, the little man. The show goes on. All right, everybody, that was the trailer for The Wolf of Wall Street, the new movie by Martin Scorsese, written by Terrence uh, Winter, uh, adapted from the novel by Jordan Belfort, who's the... Uh, his, his, it's his book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's his biography. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, which everybody, I heard so many people when they when they had read the book because, like I said, this has been a long gestating project for uh, Scorsese and many other people. Um, I, I heard a lo- in a lot of ways it was just like there's no way people can film this. Uh, they're not most people won't even think the things that are happening in this movie could happen to real people. <laughs> Right, but uh, here's the IMDb logline based on a true story of Jordan Belfort. This uh, uh, from his rise to a wealthy stockholder, living the high life, to his fall involving crime, corruption, and the federal government. Well, at least when you keep it simple, uh, IMDb, you get it right. So <laughs> we've noticed that for the last couple ones. So just kind of keep it in the middle. But uh, yeah, this movie stars uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill. Uh, small cameo, and we'll talk about him later, of course. But Matthew McConaughey, Kyle Candler, Rob Reiner, uh, small bits from John Favreau, and a couple other. So it's a good and amount. And a very of- excellent Margot Robbie. I was, I was, I was just about very to very excellent. That. Uh, who I, I, now? I, have you seen her in anything else? Has she been uh, in anything else? She shows up in some uh, some things every once in a while. Um, she's an Australian actress. Uh, she was on Pan Am, uh, the short-lived yeah. ABC show um, that that I enjoyed uh, for what it was. Um, so I've seen her in that, and then uh, mostly TV I stuff. She, I don't think she's done a lot of stuff here in the states. She was just in that movie with um, Rachel McAdams, the new time traveling thing about uh, time. From, about time, that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she's uh, she's terrific here, man. But yeah, most mostly uh, mostly TV stuff. Looks like she's got a couple things right now that are in post production. So uh, good deal. We're gonna be seeing a lot more of her uh, yes. in the coming years, it seems. 
but uh, that it's it's real good. So um, let's start here. <laughs> we do this with a lot of films, and I and, and I we haven't done it with a Scorsese film yet. So I think it's going to be very. Uh, this is it's almost it's almost comical in a sense. Um, Matt, what are your feelings on Martin Scorsese? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, I I know he's pretty divisive um, between like hardcore cinephiles, uh, like there are those of us who really love him and some, and those of us who really hate him um, or, or at least have a strong dislike for him. But I really love Martin Scorsese. Uh, I think that he's probably the greatest filmmaker of his generation, possibly the greatest living American filmmaker. Um, I don't know. I I've loved nearly every movie he's ever made. My sentiments. Exactly. I mean, I just, I, mean, I can't think, this is, uh, Wolf of Wall Street was my most anticipated film of this year, and uh, let me tell you, it lived up to it. Yeah, it delivers, man. It, this I, this movie was just all in out, I mean, just even listening to that trailer was like, fuck, I need to go out and see this again, and when a movie that is literally three hours long and makes you say, I want to go, I want to plunk down more money, sit in a dark theater and watch and spend three more hours of my life. That's a, that is a, that's a true testament right there. Right. And you have yeah. already done that. I've seen it twice already, uh, which is a rarity. I mean, I, I don't go to the theater as often as I used to. And most of that's uh, because being, being a student again, uh, I have very little money, like even less than when I was just doing my, my jobs, right. Before I went back to school. Um, I'm just doing a job but, and I still have no money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a common problem, but like this movie is one of the most energetic things I've ever seen. Um, and frankly, the fact that it borders on recycling some of Scorsese's own material, um, while completely not doing that, uh, is amazing. Uh, honestly, I mean, the, Scorsese's 71 this year. Um, he he directed this movie last year, so he was 70 then. And for a movie by a guy who's 70 to be directed with this much energy and this much force and as brazenly um, and unabashedly uh, just it's a this movie's a fucking full on bacchanal that just doesn't end. Um and it's, I don't know, I, I, I'm sometimes speechless as to what I think about it, which, which is a common thing uh, with critics and of the film, right? not just film critics, but the film's critics. Uh, they're also left speechless, but for different reasons, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of people are calling this movie, I mean, it, the the movie itself is is about this guy who, you know, kind of, works his way up from the dirt bottom and then there's the you know the bust in the 80s of uh wall street and everything so he's 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 gone from this you know top top level kind of uh marketing or uh, or, uh trading house or whatever I, I i don't know enough about yeah, this fucking a, shit a that, brokerage firm brokerage firm that's what the words i'm looking for i don't know enough about finance because i don't have any money uh, <laughs> but uh, he goes from kind of one of the top ones here to just completely bust nobody's hiring he decides you know what i'm gonna kind of he stumbles into a, a place that does penny stocks and mm -hmm. these guys are fucking wowed by his like you know he walks in and just gets a guy to plunk down a couple thousand bucks where these guys are trying to you know bilk him for a couple of hundred 
Yeah. And he does it so convincingly right off the bat that, you know, everybody's just impressed. And so he, you know, finally takes this thing and decides, I'm going to come up and he goes from literally like nothing. In, in many ways, you know, this is this is a an American dream kind of story. Now, it doesn't go about that in, we'll say, the most legal of ways. But uh, it, it is that kind of story. It is that kind of building yourself up from nothing and becoming this great thing based upon, you know, in, whether for good or for bad, based upon your talents. And but this movie like thrives and lives in the world of excess and greed and things like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the critics are coming out and saying that the movie itself is also a victim of that kind of excess. It is the excess of excess that kills this movie for some critics. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I disagree uh, with them. Um, I mean, part of part of what they tend to say about uh the critics of this film tend to say about it, right, is that the excessive uh, nature of the material and the way that the film treats it, right, um, which is not in an overtly judgmental way, um, sort of glorifies this lifestyle and glorifies uh, Jordan Belfort a little bit. Um, although, you know, if I think if you were watching this movie and you get the sense that this guy and the way that he lives is anything other than, like, the largest douchebag story ever um that you completely like you're fucking high uh i don't i don't know (laughs) like i seriously call into question i posted this on facebook right here's here's my thing right like uh this is a direct thing uh this was after my second screening uh so if you're one of the people who saw the wolf of wall street and thought the movie glorified Jordan Belford instead of pointing out what an amazing douchebag he and his friends were while still being likable characters, right? Then I'm sorry, but you don't know what you're talking about. And I seriously call into question your ability to critically absorb and think about any film. Um, yeah. Because, because you know, this is, this is not a good guy. And it's very clear in the movie that he's not a good guy. Um, and he's such a, like... DiCaprio plays him as such a smarmy sleazeball that, uh, you know, you like him, but you like him in the same way as like, I wouldn't hate myself for having had a beer with George W. Bush in 1987. You know what I mean? Like, like that guy is, is, I think that, that relationship, right? Like this guy's a complete and utter dick. He sucks. He's an awful human being, but you know, I wouldn't mind like being at a party that he's throwing. You know, I wouldn't mind that shit. Well, yeah. Uh, and and so, or I don't mind the, you know, but I, I disagree with it, you know, uh, him even like fundamentally. Yeah. I mean, like, and it's yeah, that kind of, he, he's a, du- he's a douchebag, but the thing is, it's like, yeah, there is that level of, uh, of charm and everything that you do get in this. So you could, but you have to have that within the character because that makes sense for that thing. Because if you don't have those qualities, if you're just a smarmy, evil, fucking douchebag asshole that just, that it, like it is out of every pore of your body, just seeps out, no one's going to follow you into the fray. You have to right. be that kind of person who can stand up in front of that crowd and, you know, and deliver those empowering speeches to people to have them believe what you're, the bullshit that you're spilling 
is the honest to God truth. You know, it is the it's the whole, you know, the the devil's not going to appear to you as the devil. He's going to be he's going to be something that is seductive, something that is interesting, something that, you know, you're want, you're going to want to aspire to, something you're, that you're going to want to have. And that's very much what this character is. I mean, you know, who wouldn't want to, you know, see, you know, you know, drive, you know, Ferraris and live in giant, you know, opulent mansions with a beautiful wife and be oh, yeah. able to do whatever that you want to do. And it it glorifies the idea, I think, of being rich, but, you know, it doesn't sit here and tell you, you know, I mean, I don't think by any means that it's saying, hey, what these guys have done is in any way, no, shape, or form a good like, thing. Here's the way to go about it. You know? like, or like yes. even how to behave once you get there. Yeah, exactly. Because once he gets, it's not like he cheated his way to the top, got to the top and is just like, okay, I got to where I got to get. And now I'm just going to, now it's on the straight and narrow. It's like, no, 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 no. It just gets worse. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of times anyone who does see this, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to curtail this outside of the actual critical realm, but more, and because I'm sure that there are some people who will watch this and think that this motherfucker is great. That he is, you know, he is oh, yeah. somebody to look up to. And these are the same stupid assholes who unironically have a fucking Scarface poster in their house and don't celebrate Scarface as a as a good movie, which uh, it's a fair movie, let's be honest. Um, but who celebrate Scarface as like that mother, like, you know, I, I'm going to do a slight, you know, <laughs> ghetto-y kind of motherfucker here, but it's like that dude, you know, that dude's a gangster. That's a, that's a, that's a badass motherfucker right there, you know? It's yeah. like... No, no. Scarface was a piece of shit. He was an asshole. He he fucked things up. And I think half the people that love Scarface are like, "Have you seen the end of Scarface? It does not turn out well right. for him." Well, it, but I, but he, know, but there's something that was attractive about that. There's something that you know that people were lured to with that. And it's just like yeah. maybe I think it's perhaps maybe people's just love of money more than it is you know really realizing whether and their want to go after it instead of realizing you know the good versus bad things in the world. Well, I think that that's the I think that's the blowback on, on this film. I think that it's the it's the same people who are who are afraid that people will take this as uh, as an a instruction manual. Yeah, as an instruction manual of like, no, this is acceptable behavior, right? Like, and there certainly is in the negative reviews from critics and even of uh, like people who have been discussing it uh, more colloquially, right? Like, uh, there is this view that like. Um, there is there is a disservice being done by portraying Belfort in any way um, because he was, uh, by all accounts, like a, an awful man. And this just like gives him his time to shine. Right. right. I mean, one of the most prominent examples of this was the the uh, op ed that came out that was like the daughter of one of his uh, protégés in, in the firm talking about how the the filmmakers should not be glorifying this man by giving him any attention whatsoever because like he he was responsible for ruining her life because her father went to jail and all this other stuff um but i think that like while that critique may or may not be valid right like it smacks of um like idiocy uh honestly like like so what we sh we should just never make movies about real human beings who were awful people like that would I mean think about uh like Casino right Casino which is I mean it's the same like if I think about Scorsese films I think of Wolf of Wall Street as like this third part of a trilogy mm -hmm. right of like Goodfellas and Casino and Wolf of Wall Street where uh, like there's this legitimization 
of corruption and power and greed in America at different times, mm-hmm. right? And and so I think that that this definitely is maybe the most relatable because uh, even though like Wall Street was entirely responsible for creating the recession that we're in, right? Like in many ways, um, it still isn't viewed as like this negative entity because it's so legit and people think like, no, this is the way that you should go about These it. These are people in told, suits. Right? Like, like, oh, you have to, you have to invest money in stocks and in and these types of things in order for your retirement fund to be there, right? Like it's it's so embedded in American society. Um, so it's not viewed the same way as the mob is viewed, even though functionally, and that's what that's what I think makes this the perfect uh, like move for Scorsese is is uh, like functionally it is the fucking mob, and ultimately it is the debauchery and the lifestyle that ends in the character's downfall. But back to my original point, very briefly, like so, you're saying that because your life was ruined by your father's involvement with Belfort or anyone agreeing with her, right? Like that this movie is immoral, should not be made, etc. Well, you know, the same case can be made for um like in cold blood uh or any other like casino, right? Like you're telling me that uh Rothstein's kids didn't have their lives fucking ruined by what a fucking dick he was and the guy that uh like Joe Pesci played like no you know why? Because like those kids went through shit too, and yet nobody seems to like make that connection. But it's because this, right? Because Wall Street is viewed as like this legit thing, no one makes that connection of uh, like it's more like no, we're legitimizing this corruption, and it's because it's something that still exists, unlike the mob, right? Yeah, it it is that kind of thing where it, exactly it it is that. The thing that is acceptable, it is in a way, you know, legalized crime in a sense. And especially, you know, I mean, without standards and practices, which, you know, they're not a fuck of a lot, even to this day. Not even nearly as much as there probably should be. I don't know. Well, I mean, look, look, who went to jail over the recession, right? Like nobody from nobody. (laughs) Nobody nobody, really. No one from the firms that caused it, right? No one went. No, to they jail. get they get jobs. They get jobs as the you know, ironically the uh, the foreign financier for uh, or, or the, one of the financier people for uh, Greeks Greece. Yeah, exactly. It's like oh, guess what? You fucked up this country. Well, go over to this other fucking country who's fucked up and go fuck their shit up. Right. <laughs> I don't yeah, understand. And, and so I don't understand this world. Ama- it's amazing, right? And I think that that's a lot of the outrage. I mean, the other outrage are the people who like say that it's pornographic. But you know what? Go screw yourselves. Yeah, and here's the thing: it's like you you have to. What's what's interesting about this movie is is that is that fucking rawness that is in there, and that this mm-hmm. is coming from a seventy year old man. Oh yeah, and you know his editor, who's like what 72, 73, something like that, and yeah. um, so. It's not like this is being told by, you know, some young whippersnapper who's doing this shit, you know, to, you know, provoke everybody and to kind of poke a couple of eyes and see what kind of comes out of the out of the out of the scrum there. This is somebody who 
is deliberately doing what he's doing on purpose. I mean, this is yeah. a very kinetic film, but it's also like like we were talking about with David O. Russell of the things that I didn't like in American Hustle was how much the camera moved and how you know he wanted everything to seem to be super frenetic and all over the place. And Martin Scorsese does a lot of that, and that's where a lot of you know David O. Russell kind of clearly aped some of that shit from. But Martin Scorsese also knows very much how to keep the camera still, how to mm-hmm. let things happen. This is a three-hour movie that, you know, while long, and it does kind of feel long, you're never bored I want to talk with about it. That. You're never but, bored with this movie at all. And there are scenes that are let to go in such a, a I don't want to say long because that makes it sound bad. Because, you know, you don't want to say, oh, it's like, oh, the scene goes on for a long time. But they let the scenes happen in such well, an organic way that sequence, it feels like right? you're there. Yeah, I mean, there is a solid 20 minutes that is one of the most astounding sequences that has in any movie that's come out this year. And it involves uh, decades old narcotics, right? Uh, when when he pops those fucking lewds and then drives down to the country club and comes back, that's a solid 20 minutes of like the most amazing physical comedy that you will see in a movie this year. I mean, tons of laughs in what is a horrid situation. Oh, yeah. And it's played so well. And the way with which he edits things and how the story is told to us is shows that we have a master filmmaker at work here and somebody who's not just kind of like, you know, wanting to show everybody how big his dick is. He wants to sit here and drag you along and show you specifically what's going on. Let's take our time with it. And... You know, what would have been probably a two or three minute film uh, uh, segment of a film that was, you know, done by a, a much lesser filmmaker would have just been like, oh, let's have these couple little comedy beats. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, you know, he, he's fucked up. He's on the ground. He's trying to get back to his car. It would have been super quick. But you, he took the time to sit there and say, watch this event unfold. You're going to see, you know, ultimately what kind of sad shape this man is in. Because oh, that's yeah. what it really, that's what it's really telling you is like, this is where it's gone for this guy. Well, and it's, I think that comes down to uh, the acting, right? I mean, like. Uh, and of course, the ramifications is, of what then happens to that yeah. shit. Well, so, so here, here's another thing that uh, like strikes me as a corollary between both Casino and Goodfellas, right? And to a certain extent, Raging Bull is um, the partnership and the acting chops between DiCaprio and Jonah Hill in this movie are on par with that relationship that those two actors established in those films. Um, it's it's one of the great duos, I think, uh, acting-wise, that I've seen in a long time. Um, you know, DiCaprio's performance, I've, I've always liked DiCaprio, and I think that he's done particularly strong work with Scorsese. Um but I think that this role, he has to go through such a wide range of emotions and types of things, right? Like, so he has to be uh, not just sad, but like there's specific types of sadness or manic depressiveness, um, different types of energetic uh, behaviors that he has to go through. When he comes to, in, like, absolutely like... madcap, zany comedy highs to like the lowest of lows. That it's it really showcases his talent in a way that I don't think we've gotten before in a single film, right? Like it's a it's a 
encapsulation of what this motherfucker can do. Um, and a little bit that I think is overseen and, and won't be talked about a lot is, uh, especially at the beginning here when he's just getting a job at the firm, mm-hmm. is this character's utter naivete of, of everything. Oh, yeah, he definitely. Play, he does have this this air of innocence when he gets in there of somebody who does want to do good. But it is kind of, it's that it's that devil on your shoulder kind of thing. And Matthew McConaughey is pretty much that devil in, in this, in, in his uh, small, magnificent little role. But it is kind of, he's just going, look, but, you know, we can do these good things, right? I want, to, he wants to be a force for good. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I liken it to the... Uh, I like something Rick James said uh, before he passed, talking about uh, Millie Vanilli. Uh, He's just like, any motherfucker would have done exactly what Millie Vanilli did. You want to know why? Because if you tell someone, hey, we're going to give you all the money, all the women, and all the drugs you could ever want, all you got to do is fucking lip sync this song. Every one of you would have done it. Every fucking one of you would have done it. And this is the exact same way. It's called, look... You know, you want to do good, you want to do well, you want to try to, you know, become, you know, this this great person. But if somebody shows you a way, it's it's one of the most hard things in the world to sit there and say no to when they're like, hey, here's an easy route that's going to give you everything you want. Yeah. That is a, such a difficult thing to do. And he, he plays, like I said, there's so many levels to this character and, and the way that he plays them is that, damn, if it doesn't run the gamut. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, and his scenes with, uh, with Jonah Hill, uh, are just some of the best, uh, work that I've seen from either of them. Um, they have, they have a chemistry, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I do want to, while we're on the topic of act- acting, I do want to talk uh, about Margot Robbie just a just a smidge okay. because, um, she has the most amazing fake Long Island accent. Um, like I'm frankly amazed, honestly, at how authentic it comes off. Um, I mean, I've known a few people from Long Island. Uh, It's a very distinct type of New York accent. Yeah, a Long Island is definitely different from like a Brooklyn accent, for sure. Right, definitely. Well, and and to the extent that like when people uh, say like it's it can be known as lawn as in your yard, Long Guyland. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's how people pronounce it sometimes is Long Island. Um, so it definitely has its own feel and its own rhythm. And she knocks that out of the park while also turning in a really solid dramatic performance. Um, I, I'm just amazed. I mean, you know, this is the accent that, that Jennifer Lawrence was supposed to have in American Hustle is a Long Island. Accent. Short. And uh, it is shameful by comparison. <laughs> Honestly, like, like who the fuck hired her dialect coach for that accent? Why didn't they get this person? Um, but you know, she's a talent to watch, uh, in the coming years. Um, cause she's, she's friggin' great. And look, and like, okay. What I'm about to say may sound a little smarmy to people, but fuck it. I'm going for this because I, I think it needs to be said in a small way. And I, I'm going to sound like a fucking dude, and uh, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it unashamedly. I don't give a fuck. It is nice to see an actress do some nudity. No one does nudity anymore. Well, Everyone think, feels that they're a little the- bit higher uh, for themselves. I mean, just like you rarely see any kind of like decent high celebrity nudity. And I'm not saying that we all need to see titties in movies, but 
it just I don't I well I think I think does that, that makes sense. Do it, I sound like an asshole? I, no, I don't. But I think I think that here it would be disingenuous uh, of the filmmaker and of the actors to not. I mean, you know, like I'm frankly quite surprised that there wasn't full frontal uh, from from DiCaprio. Right? That's a good I mean, point. You you get a lot of nudity from you got DiCaprio. a little. You got. I mean, there you was get, a, little, a lot of it. He has a lot action of fucking sex. Um, you and a, you get and you get some penis action. Uh, with a prosthetic, which would also have been fine, right? But, like, I think that the material is such, you know, these guys lived a, 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 an orgy for 15 years, basically. That yeah. um, I think that, like, it would just not be accurate for there not to be nudity in this film. Uh, it would feel really forced and weird to not have nudity. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether it's something we need, we need more of in general, but I think that when that it warrants it, when it, it warrants it, uh, clearly. But but going for it in a film where uh, that is there, I, like I, this film has fucking cojones, man. I mean, there is no like nothing, right? I mean, the very first shot of the film with DiCaprio in it uh, is him not snorting coke off of a hooker's ass but blowing it into her vagina. It's... I mean, that that's that's a fucking statement. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, that's the first shot of your fucking movie with, with like, full-on, like, like, your character, right? I mean, the first one is him uh, driving down uh, in the in his Ferrari, but, mm-hmm. but like, like, this is your establishing of, of your actual character and their space and, like, their attitude is this shot. And he's blowing cocaine into a vagina. That's something that you would not fucking see. Almost anywhere. <laughs> uh, from, from anywhere, you know? like Especially this, this in a has, mainstream, you know, giant film. Oh, yeah. A big mainstream December 25th release. I mean, this is this movie has balls. Happy man. birthday, Jesus. Coke in a vagina. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, from there, like that, like, frankly, that's the least surprising thing in this movie once you sit through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, like. By the time it gets to gets to some of it, you're just like, holy shit, man! Uh, this thing never ends, um, which is kind of the point, right? I mean, I want to, I do want to talk a little bit about the length of the film and, and feeling long in quotes, right? Okay. Um, one of the interesting things about it to me is um, it does feel long at the end, but I think that this is because of standard narrative structure. Right. So we're very used to the time when uh, the bad guy in these cases decides that he's going to cooperate with the feds and start ratting people out that um, that that's going to like signal the end of the movie. Right. right. What Wolf of Wall Street does, because it actually happened, is uh, uh, Belfort decides to forego his his resignation from his company right and and so once that happens it completely restructures how we would normally think of a narrative of this type where he's not going to do that and then he's going to get back in where the feds are watching him right so then it happens again where the feds come and they're like okay you're going to cooperate and we're going to do you know this little sting operation and you're going to wear a wire and then he reneges on that, 
right? So it's like this constant stop-start thing that, that is all real. But I think because we're trained, right, to watch films, and we've seen this movie before, even from Scorsese, structurally, it's, it, like I said, it's very similar to Goodfellas and Casino. Um, I think because of its structure, it feels very sim uh, very familiar to us. And when it subverts that familiarity, we start to notice, like, this is just, just keeps going, you know? And it's not a bad thing, but, but I think that it's noticeable for, for reasons that aren't necessarily because the film feels long. Uh, because I, I think those scenes after that start, stop, start, stop um, are fucking fantastic scenes. Well, it, it's it's the most important part of a movie that that is of of any particular length that is you know above you know an hour and a half, especially two hours, is what's what's being done, what's being mm -hmm. done in that time, and is it interesting? And right. and this movie is like I I cannot tell you a time where something is go not is where there's not anything going on the screen that isn't essential that isn't informative that isn't entertaining in some way it's it's constant throughout you're never bored throughout this entire three-hour film now you may you there may be people that squirm in their seats some or whatever but it's i, I think any film that is of of any length let's just i'm gonna i was i was gonna say long but let's just let's talk about any length a movie needs to be the length that the movie needs to be and i i think that's a weird statement for a lot of people to understand but uh if this movie needs to be three hours, make it three hours. But if, the, for God's sake, if the movie needs to be 86 minutes, please make it 86 minutes. Yeah. Don't make it 120 because you need to fill out two hours. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, I, I like I, I've done stand up for many years and, you know, you know most times at open mics and stuff, you get five minutes. And I, I tell people that are starting and stuff, it's just like, hey. If you get in and you do amazing in three minutes, don't feel you need to pad out that extra two minutes. Go out on that fucking high of three. Get in there, enjoy it, get good, and like, hey, okay, we can't see ourselves doing any better than this. Goodbye, everybody. So stay, but if you got a full, if you got that five, go for that full five. But that's how movies need to be. And, you know, be the length that you need to be, be it long or short. And I think this one, like I said, it's got a lot of those great, uh, you know, organic scenes of people's conversation as as quick cutting and moving and, and fast paced as this movie is. There are the times like on the yachts with uh, with the agents and, you know, within e even, you know, bedroom scenes and shit like that where things just are allowed to be. Yeah. And we don't get that in a lot of movies because a lot of people are scared to sit there and let the camera stay in this one place or stay in this scene for, you know, longer than three minutes because as a world, we've gotten to this point where our attention spans are just boom, boom, boom. And it's like, why aren't we moving? Why aren't we going on any further? But to be able to sit there within that stuff and have uh, material that is compelling enough for you to keep your eyes on, to keep yourself, to keep one interested in that particular scene for that particular length is quite a feat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, screenmaker, uh, Thelma screenmaker, Scorsese's editor, um, long said time that, editor <laughs> said, said that, uh, she had difficulty trimming this movie from four hours, uh, which, which I know sounds amazing to some people, <laughs> but honestly, like I could see that, you know, like, like there are certain things that even even in this cut, some scenes feel a little stunted, rushed. Um, 
and you know, honestly, like having seen it twice now, I'm ready for a four hour cut of this motherfucker. <laughs> uh, from a, from a, uh, I want to say it was Hollywood reporter. Uh, yeah. Hollywood reporter interview. I saw, I don't think he's, uh, gonna do that sadly no 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 i don't think so either i mean the when scorsese releases a cut of a film it's the cut yeah you know what i mean like like he and schoonmaker agree i mean they're very collaborative together and, and schoonmaker's edited all of his films um with i think no exception uh i don't i, I may be wrong but i think that uh, that every scorsese film has been edited by her um since late in the seventies, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, like you know, you do like you know, look who's knocking or uh, right, or, exactly. Uh, mean streets. Um, but you know, so I think that when they release, when they get to the release cut, whatever that is, um, that's the cut. You know that I mean, that's it. They're not going to go back and and add material in or, uh, I you know, it's pretty rare to even get lost scenes or cut scenes from anything on a Scorsese DVD. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with all of that extra material that they both loved so much. Um, and I'd love to see it, but, uh, you know, not going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes that uh, sometimes that's for the better. Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's, sometimes it's frustrating, i.e., uh, uh, you know, what what you wouldn't give for like a like a, a Spielberg commentary or something. And it's just like, well, yeah. that's never going to fucking happen. OK. <laughs> Yeah, he just doesn't give a shit. Uh, Raging Bull was her first one with Scorsese. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I think since then, she's been the editor. I believe um, so. So, anyway, uh, I think I think we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, uh, I think uh, we've pretty much covered it. I think covered we've covered it. it. So, uh, oh, oh, final thoughts. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing. Um, I don't understand the controversies surrounding it, and there are multiple. Um, I, I just, I don't like, it's that, I don't know what the (laughs) fuck movie did these people watch where they walk out with like, really, these are the the issues that you have, you know, right. That's the other thing. Like, what are you expecting? My good friend, Andy Ditzler, uh, commented on Facebook, um, like that no one should be surprised. Right. Because, uh, because, uh, Scorsese's made this movie, right. Like tonally. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's made it in 73, 76, 80, 83, 90, 95. You know, like like there's there's no reason to not expect a film about this to be like this from Martin Scorsese at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of the more fascinating debates that's been going on, but also one of the like dumbest, I think. <laughs> For sure, uh, yeah, I get it. I, I completely, I wholeheartedly agree with everything. It is, uh, it, it's a great film. It's something that you know I've only seen once, but certainly cannot wait to see again. Like I said, even watching the trailer, it's just like, damn it, I got to get back to see this. Just fantastic performances by everybody. Uh, you you talked a bit about him, but uh, I didn't. Uh, Jonah Hill really is great in this film, and I mean, as as good as he was in Moneyball, he takes you know his acting even to another level even within uh, this movie. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's amazing what a guy who just does a, a lot of these comedies. He's doing a reverse John C. Riley. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's that's very true. <laughs> that's, wow. Kind of blew my mind a little bit there, but that is absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know what to sort of think about after that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just like, holy shit. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's great overall, and uh, you know. He's 71 years old and he doesn't, I'm sure he doesn't have, and I'm sure he admits to not having, you know, a shitload more movies in him. And uh, the day that he stops making films and or, and it might possibly, they might coincide, he shuffles off this mortal coil and, you know, just gone. Um, It's going to be a sad day because uh, this is a guy who is just a master of his craft, knows exactly what he's doing. I mean, you know, like I said, with Amer- in American Hustle, it's like this is a guy that, you know, people want to emulate. They want to emulate his style. And there's there's a handful of directors that people will specifically go out there and try to kind of ape their style in a way. And he is definitely, you know, one of, if not tops amongst that list. Right. And uh, this film certainly shows that even despite his age, he has really... Uh, he still has it in every you know sense of the word and uh it's it's a fantastic film i realize that it's not for everybody um and um i i like like i said i'm very confused as to you know what certain critics you know think about this film and how they try to digest it and what their thought process is and sometimes and and that's what really sucks about a lot of these things is that you know uh, one of our uh, who will remain nameless for this podcast, but uh, one of our uh, critics here in Charlotte, you know, had you know un- an under five hundred word, you know, you know review of the Wolf of Wall Street, and it was just like, well, you know, it's not that really good. Scorsese was out Scorsese by David O. Russell, and uh, you know, it's just it's long, it's opulent, blah blah blah, blah. and it was like there's just no real thought process into it. So sometimes you was just was this the I, creative loafing guy? It, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know that guy, but I read his review um, because I've I like I've read a lot of his reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Fucking inane. I don't uh, I, like is, I don't understand it. And, I, yeah. you know, and he's he's more than welcome to come on this podcast. And we, we would we'd love to have him or anyone else come on and talk about it. the film find at Gmail dot com. Just freaking shout it out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, thoroughly enjoy this movie. It was my most anticipated film of the year, and it certainly lived up to the hype and uh, everything that I had certainly around it. So uh, that is it. Um, that is it for our, uh, our I think our, this may be our last bonus episode, but it might not. We may try to slip in uh, one or two more, depending upon, you know, certain oh, we'll get things. But, uh, you know, and, of course, we have the end of 2014, uh, or 2013, beginning of 2014, uh, the end of 2013 kind of wrap up with everything. And we'll talk about, you know, anything else that we might have seen, certainly during that time. But uh, that is it, everybody. Uh, That is our review for The Wolf of Wall Street, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, uh, written by uh, Terrence Winter, adapted from the book from Jordan Belfort. Uh, Good stuff. Go out there and see it. If you haven't seen it, uh, you know, use the bathroom ahead of time. (laughs) But uh, definitely, uh, definitely check it out in theaters. Um, Coming up real quick, just so we can kind of... talk about it but uh please stay subscribed obviously we've gotten these couple bonus episodes over the past couple of days uh we got a new review 2014 is already starting we're going to give you a full episode uh coming up very soon we're going to be uh, reviewing the new paranormal activity movie not not to be confused it's not paranormal activity five this is paranormal activity the marked ones they're different things and we'll talk about why they're different things for some other weird fucking reasons uh we'll, we'll talk about that on that episode but uh so stay tuned for that everybody and uh so glad that you guys are still around you're still subscribing and uh, we hope to make 2014 a fantastic year for you guys so uh for matt smith i'm adam portrait Take it easy, everybody. It could be a spoon for the diamond.
Yeah.